I'm Jack Hampton, and this is the Hampton Hoops Podcast. What up, what up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? Surviving and thriving. Broke me, dude. (laughs) Let the fun begin. Let's get it. On today's pod, we discuss the bounce back team from Memphis. We also have a brand new segment called Trey's Best Bets. And of course, Coop and I go through every single playoff game where Kyrie flipped off multiple Boston fans, Tevin Booker got injured, and Steph Curry is coming off the bench. We discuss all of that and much more, so let's jump into it. Before we officially start the show today, I just feel the need to say how grateful I am. We just hit 7K on TikTok. Whenever I started this little dream of mine three months ago, I never expected any of this, and I'm just so humbled by it. I love going back and forth with all of you. Of course, we are nowhere near done, but I just wanted to take a moment to truly thank you guys. Now, with all that sappy shit out of the way, let's officially jump into it. What up, what up, Coop? How are you doing, my friend? Uh, you know, surviving and thriving. Love to hear it, love to hear it. We are wasting no time today. We're jumping right into the Grizz Corner. In the Grizz Corner, we discuss all things Grizzlies, and on today's pod, that includes game one and two of this first round of the Western Conference playoffs. As everyone knows by now, their opponents the Minnesota Timberwolves. I was in attendance for game one on Saturday. I'm kind of going to be the deliverer of bad news for that one, and Coop's going to bring it all around with the game two performance that our Grizzlies had. The energy was electric on Saturday. It's game one, first game of the playoffs as a two seed. It was good having spring basketball be in effect for the past two years in Memphis. I knew the crowd was going to show up and they did. The team, however, um, in the back of my mind, I I was kind of nervous watching all these pregame festivities going on. I'm like, Minnesota's a bad matchup for us, man. But at the same time, I'm like, Ja's going to come out hungry. Patrick Beverly's been talking so much shit lately. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. I think our board's going to come out hungry, though. They've been, they've been chained up for a while. We hadn't played in a week, week and a half. I thought they were going to come out guns blazing, and I could not have been more wrong. The Grizzlies came out rusty. They came out flat, and it showed. Uh, ja Morant had an unbelievable game statistically, but if you were watching the game, we got outplayed the entire game. John Morant had 32 points, four rebounds, eight assists, but he was a minus 16 when he was on the floor, which is the worst on the team. Um, And it's not a Grizzlies loss if Jaron's not in foul trouble. Desmond Bain had the quietest 17 points I can ever remember. Steven Adams was absolutely abysmal. He was basically like a traffic cone for Carl Anthony Towns out there. Cat ended up with 29 points, 13 rebounds. He just had his way with SA. When it comes to team statistics, Minnesota shot 50% from the field, damn near 40% from three, which is just ridiculous. They out-rebounded and out-assisted the Grizzlies, which is two of the categories that the Grizzlies lead the league in, so they outplayed us at our own game. And also, the free throws in this game were absolutely outrageous. There was a combined 70 free throws between these two teams. There's no flow at all. And for a Memphis team that loves a track meet of a game to get up and down the floor and to have fast break points, that was just not there because there were so many fouls being called. The young phenom for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, had 36 points. And man, did we hear about it. If you would have watched the national media Sunday, Monday, Tuesday leading up to game two, you would have thought Anthony Edwards is the next coming to Michael Jordan. Then game two happened. This is where I tap in. Game two comes around. So I got I got three things to talk about. First off, Ja Morant. I'm going to pick up right where you left off, brother. So, Ja comes in the next game, and, I mean, you and I talked because I know you went to the game. We were texting throughout the thing, and we were both like, look, Ja, I mean, 32-4-8, 44% from the field. I mean, what, what more do you want? And, uh, 
I mean, that's what your star player needs to do, game in, game out. Uh, and Ja will tell you himself, uh, it's on him. I mean, that's literally what he told him. He was like, mm-hmm. it's my fault. He's like, I need to do more. I need to be better. Um, and you say that when the man's literally responsible for over half of our points, uh, whether that be him scoring it or assisting. Um, and you sent me the thing, which, I mean, the audacity to post this, I don't have I don't have the guts, but he posted the, the clip from the last dance. Um, you have the balls, literally. Um, the last dance, which I'll, I'll play the scene for you guys. It's Michael Jordan uh, has a cigar in his mouth and a baseball bat in his hand, and uh, they just lost a game one. And uh, dude says, "You mad?" And he goes, "What? Why? Why would I be mad? It's one game. We're gonna come out next game and play like dogs." And that's what John Moran posted. And it's just a picture of John. And then you go to that and you scroll to the, uh, the right and it's that clip. Um, and I, t- I mean, I, Jack, I told you, I said, he better back that up. Because you're posting a picture, uh, a clip of the goat in one of the greatest documentaries of all time. Um, if you don't back that up, you're just going to get more crap. Like, I mean, I heard Stephen A saying all this nonsense about you talking about you want all the smoke then you better be able to back it up. You better win this series. I mean, all this stuff, uh, people saying, oh, the Grizzlies lose game one. I don't think they're finals contenders. I don't think they're conference finals contenders anymore. I mean, one game flipped the script. And not only did John Morant back up that video, he played like a dog. I mean, I told you I told you yesterday, I said, dude, I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but if you're going to post a clip like that, and you better come play like you just played. Um, I mean every time he kept the energy going um most of the time he always is our energizer bunny but like we have guys like brandon who come off the bench energize the whole arena and everything like that just kind of give us another boost of energy jaw didn't need it um yeah his points went down he was 23 uh 23 points nine rebounds 10 assists um 56 percent from the field and 50 from three um i mean lethal i mean it looked Time in, time out. Jaw was just having his way. They'd collapse and have five people. Jaw would throw it to the wide open person for a bucket. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was threading the needle. He was crisp. He was solid. And he was everything we needed. I mean, he led us in rebounds yesterday, mm-hmm. um, which we are a rebounding heavy team. And by by that, I mean, like, if, if we don't rebound in a game well on both sides, defensive or offense, we are not doing very well because we like, grabbing that rebound go five seconds later we're already shooting a shot like that's how this team likes to operate and jaw getting that rebound you're already in the point guard hand. he's already got the ball ready to do what he needs to do um and it also this game is a lot of shooting like i mean the timberwolves shoot a lot an astronomical amount um there's gonna be a lot of long rebounds i mean heck john conchar in one game uh in the regular season had 17 boards yes jitty does get down there and uh bang with the big boys every now and then but like most of those are long rebounds and that's just more effort um and that's what i thought lacked in game one was our effort was just they out they outplayed us um in every facet um and that was just disappointing we needed to see a game like this where we have the rebounding advantage um but my next point i gotta talk about is taylor jenkins um taylor jenkins just showed the world why he is probably gonna come runner up for coach of the year mm-hmm. but he made a case for the reason he should be coach of the year this year mm-hmm. um you just talked about steven adams i love steven adams you love steven adams 
Um, we're not hating on him as a player whatsoever. He just got messed up this series thus far. Um, in game one, he could not guard the pick and roll, whether he was, it wasn't my bad. I said pick and roll. He couldn't bar, guard the pick and pop. Um, cause cat really doesn't roll. Cat's going to pop and it's either going to be, if they switch, it's going to be ISO ball, Anthony Edwards or D'Lo in your mouth three or drive by you lay up, or it's going to be a cat three. Um, and Steven couldn't guard either. Um, and so you and I both talked before the game, Chris Vernon then talked, uh, that we thought we might see Xavier Tillman minutes. Um, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought we were still going to see at least 15 to 20 minutes. Steven Adams, um, Steven Adams played a total of three minutes game two, three, um, Taylor Jenkins completely threw away game one's game plan and had a whole new one ready. Um, and it was granted it might've jumped into play as soon as Steven got two quick fouls, but, he was he had no hesitation and he went straight for it. Xavier Tillman comes in this game um, and completely changed the script. Him and Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson were huge, huge pieces in this game. Uh, they allowed us to irritate Cat, which is a key for us in this game. We cannot allow Cat to have his way like he did in game one because you'll see what happens if Cat has a good game. He will dominate and the team will dominate. The team feeds off of him because he's their best player. I love Ant. And I think Ann is probably going to be their best player for years to come. But Cat right now is their their guy um, alongside Anthony Edwards. It's a 1A, 1B situation. Um, but irritating Cat and allowing him to have be in foul trouble the whole game, allowing him to just not be able to take us off the dribble or, or um, sit there and shoot threes without contestion. Like, I mean, Xavier Tillman and Brandon played an incredible game. Um, so... I'm going to shout out Taylor Jenkins for that fact because, I mean, he comes from the Boonholzer tree, um, and Boonholzer caught a lot of criticism for not taking out Brooke Lopez uh, in a series a couple years ago. And so most people were worried that Taylor Jenkins would do the same. Uh, Stick to the game plan. Stick to the game plan. Uh, Steve Nash said it tonight. We had a game plan. We just didn't execute, so we don't even know if it'll work. That sort of mindset, Taylor Jenkins threw that out the window, which that to me shows why he is up for coach of the year. Do I think he's going to win? No, I think Monty Williams is probably going to win that just because Monty Williams should have won it last year and he didn't. So I think they're going to give it to Monty Williams um, and he's an incredible basketball coach and we'll get to him later. But shout out Taylor Jenkins. And uh, thirdly, I'm going to move into the guy I already mentioned, Xavier Tillman. Um, the Timberwolves were not ready for Xavier Tillman. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That's going to give it to you. Yes, sir. I mean, Tony Allen said it best. He said, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That was his motto. And mm-hmm. he always said it because if you and I both know, if if Tony didn't, Tony would have never been a thing if the players in front of him didn't get hurt. But Tony went in and he proved to them, okay, he needs to always be in this lineup. Um, and then he turned into the defensive player that he was and an icon for Grizzlies that he was. Um, Xavier Tillman had this mindset. Um, I'm just going to give you his stats from the year. He has played in 52 games this season, mostly in garbage time or down the stretch. He was playing because of injuries or sending guys, and he played, and he played well. Um, but Xavier Tillman's been an end-of-the-bench kind of guy. I mean, you and I were talking earlier in the year that I kind of thought they were going to trade him. Because I love Xavier Tillman. Uh, he's a versatile big man. 
his shot was better last year than it was this year, but he can shoot it, um, and he's athletic enough to defend three uh, three point threats from the big side, um, which I thought we were going to get rid of because I was like, we just don't use him. Um, and lo and behold, he throws him in this game, and he has 13 points on 86% shooting, only missed one shot in the game, and it was a late time three. Uh, that he ho- hoisted up seven rebounds, four of them offensive rebounds. Jack, he hustled his butt off in this game, mm-hmm. and that is one of the main reasons we won this game. It was a tight, it was a tight sludge fest in that first quarter, but we blew it open because we started hustling mm-hmm. and we started dogging and we started playing Memphis Grizzly basketball. Mm-hmm. If anybody out there hadn't watched a single Grizzly game this year, and you watched Game One and thought that you were witnessing Grizzly basketball. Uh, you, in fact, were not. You were witnessing uh, Timberwolves basketball. Mm-hmm. That was not us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but game two, that was all Grizzly basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a huge shout-out to Taylor Jenkins and John Morant and Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. I didn't even mention BC yet. Um, let me tell you his his stats. BC threw two playoff games last year. I'm going to start last year. He averaged one point in four and a half minutes. Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman were two guys that weren't even in our rotation last year playoffs. This year, in two games, Brandon's averaging 24 points or 24 minutes a game, 13 points, seven and a half rebounds on 73% shooting. I mean, these two dudes are literally X factors for the Grizzlies. I'm just gonna call it X factors. I have, I'll, I'll give it a different name, but that's all I can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, these two dudes. Yes, you have the John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Dylan, Desmond Bain starting lineup star power and you have the cat and ant um and dila who hasn't been having a good series at all um you have their star power but this is really a matchup of the benches um and i say that mostly because can minnesota's bench step up in the way they did in the first game with mcdaniels and um uh, malik beasley can they outplay the grizzlies bench mm-hmm. um so I think the bench is going to be a huge key for the rest of the series. But watching the Grizzlies play last night, I'm gonna tell you right now, they're the better team um, if they play the way they that we know they're capable of playing. Um, so I'll definitely be interested to see. I I'm, I'm not gonna say I think the starting lineup what I think the starting lineup will be, but I definitely think you'll see Stephen Adams sitting on the bench and Brandon Clark will be inserted in that starting lineup with Jaron at the five. Go next, come next game, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, uh, when we get to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Dude, I completely agree. I absolutely love how you took the Taylor Jenkins approach to the Xavier Tillman um, revelation, really, because Taylor, the the humbleness and the ability to swallow his own pride and say, you know what, this did not work. I'm going to change up. I'm going to stray away from the original game plan. I'm going to scrap it. And we're gonna we're gonna find something else. We're gonna throw in a guy who has not really been in the regular season rotation at all, all year long. And usually you have, you know, 10, 10, you know, nine, ten guys in the regular season rotation that gets cut to seven or eight in playoff rotation. So that gets cut down. And this is a guy that was not even in the ten man rotation in the regular season. Xavier Tillman was absolutely monumental last night like you said steven adams played the first three minutes of the game and that was it the first three minutes of the game and then he got yanked ja morant was a plus 24 he had 23 10 and 9 he was one rebound away from a triple double and 
Oh yeah, he exited with an injury too. Like he didn't, like he didn't play the entire game, and he was still one rebound away from the triple double. He got asked about that triple double last night, and his response was, "Could not have been more perfect." He goes, "I don't care about my stats. We got the win. That's all that matters." And that's what I love about this team. I, the whole roster from top to bottom has that mindset, and that's what makes our team so well. This is a team that can shoot thirty two point four percent from three and run the other team out of the gym by 30. Yo. We talk yo. we talk about rebounding, we talk about steals, we talk about blocks and assists and points off turnovers in transition. That is because we shoot so poorly from the three-point line. It is extinct extinct for us for teams now to shoot that bad and just flat run a, the team out of the gym much less in the playoffs. Um but then again, this only counts as one game. It counts as the same as game 1. We're going to have to stay hungry. Um, the, another underrated thing about Xavier Tillman last night is Carl Anthony Towns had 15 points. He was a minus 21 and he held him to that. Yep. Steven Adams, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was wide open three after wide open three. And it was Steven Adams was not rolling hard. I, I hate getting on essay like that, but it was just the truth. X was doing everything with a purpose last night. And I absolutely loved seeing that. And oh yeah, that Patrick Beverly guy that was doing his, you know, mockery of the gritty after game one. Let me read you his stats. He had six points. And while he was on the floor, his team lost by 26. He was a minus 26, the worst on his team. And he had three fouls. Six points in 29 yep. minutes, one of six from the field, 0 of two from the three-point line. So it was a great Patrick Beverly uh, game, and that's why Ja did his little one-two step and looked up and said, stay on the other side. There's a whole lot of Memphis shit going on over here. And that's how it should be, dude, because he is not scared of Patrick Beverly, and that showed it because Ja has played. You and I know this. In the four games of the regular season against the Wolves, Ja played like dog shit. He averaged yep. 20 points, which was seven below his average, and he was incredibly inefficient. Last night, Josh shot over 50% from the field, knocked down two threes. That that step back three he had on D'Lo was just absolutely scary hours. Filth. Yes. Filth. God, that was scary. And it was Anthony Edwards from the first game, basically. Exactly, bro. And we were talking about the team stats from game one, how they beat us at our own game. Well, in this game, we out-rebounded them, we out-assisted them, and our three-point percentage was actually just a tad bit better which is crazy because you know the shot quality thing in game one is very real uh you and i follow chris vernon who's a stat head and there's there's an account on twitter that says it's called shot quality and they calculate they have their various algorithm that calculates you know a team's gonna win this game with the shot quality they had the quality of shots they had they're gonna win it you know this percentage of time game one grizzlies would have won that game 90 percent of the time the timberwolves we know we're knocking it down a bunch of shots that night and ours weren't falling and that's <laughs> that's sometimes just what it is the better team won in game two minnesota minnesota is gonna be ready to go in game three minneapolis has not had playoff basketball a lot in the last 18 years so it's going to be an absolute hornet's nest, and we need to stay hungry, and we need to fight through that. And I, I really hope we do. Uh, Thursday's matchup is going to be a really good one. Yeah, no, it's going to be a key matchup, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna piggyback two things from you. Uh, they said Stephen Adams, Taylor Jenkins asked him about it, and Stephen just says whatever we need to do to win. That's a pure veteran move right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I mean, if you asked me to sit the rest of the game in a playoff game, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. I'd be like, no, you're not taking me out for the whole game. Exactly. Uh, but Stephen Adams just knew. He, he said, I know I'm not helping right now because I'm not setting hard enough screens. I'm not rolling to the basket. I'm not giving you any scoring options, and I'm not rebounding. So what else am I there for? Mm-hmm. That's, I, none of this is in my realm of expertise. And he knew that, and he was uh, humble enough to say, yes, coach, take me out. Like, you don't have to put me back in this game. S- stick with the guys that are winning us this game because I want to win. Um, and that's the mentality we have. And then Josh, like you, we said, Josh was pretty – he wasn't very good against the Timberwolves in the regular season. So we didn't know what to expect. But in the two games we've had, he's averaging 27.5, which is right on his average for the season. Six and a half boards, nine assists. Uh, oh, and by the way, only like two or three turnovers a game. Uh, 50% from the field, 33 from three. I mean – John Moran gives me those stats for a for a playoff series. I don't think we lose very many. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. And just one rebound away from a triple double, and that's just incredible. And he need, he needs to show up like that. I like these kind of spray the statistic games for him. I like that. I'd take that over a Absolutely. forty or fifty piece any day because um, when he that means he's getting other people involved, and that's what we need. Desmond Bain was more efficient this game as well. We need to win as a collective. That's what we've done all year, and we need to stay true to that, not to um, isolation basketball like Dylan and Ja were doing in game one. Yep. No, and credit to Dylan, too. I mean, he, he grew up before our eyes. He was he was making some dimes to some people yeah. in certain areas of the game where I was like, thank you for not shooting a heavily contested in the lane shot, um, which you and I both know. Dylan's out there to get his FGAs. But, I mean, in game two, he only had nine points. He knew he wasn't having a good scoring night. He had nine points with four assists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that's that's pretty bad for in Dylan's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, 0 for 5 from 3, he just hadn't got it going. And he knew when he hadn't got it going. So, he stopped. He's, he just started throwing it. And he, he got four assists, which is also kind of rare for Dylan. So, I mean, a lot of growth from our team. And I don't want to – I know this is a gross corner, but I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is a star in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean – some of the shots he was making in game one, I mean, you just tip your hat. You're like, all right, dude's caught a microwave. He's 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 just going to keep making it. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, game two, he struggled a little bit more. But, like, Anthony Edwards is going to be an incredible basketball player for a really, really long time. And I don't want to take anything away from him. So, uh, I just want to give him a quick shout-out before we move, we move on from the Grizz corner. No, I definitely agree. And to be honest, I'd give this D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, cat. Um, one to two more years and really see where it goes. And then I, if I was that franchise, I'd start to move, you know, start to build around Anthony Edwards and not Carl Anthony Towns. He is a modern NBA masterpiece. He's everything you want in a player size can defend well and can score at will. So I would, if I was him, I definitely would build around them, but we cannot end this segment without a game three prediction. What are you seeing happens Thursday night in game three in Minneapolis? So we haven't talked about him much because he's not playing very well, but I see a solid D-Lo game. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think we're going to see a lot of Dylan shadowing, shadowing Ant-Man from here on out. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Ant-Man's probably going to stick around that 20-point average, which, I mean, if we keep him there, I'm okay with that. I don't want no th- almost 40 pieces on us anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think D'Lo has a solid game. I think it's going to be – we haven't really seen a tight game from the Grizzlies-Timberwolves yet mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I think we're going to get a first tight one. Yes. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my hat to the coaching here, and I'm going to tip it to 
Taylor Jenkins. I think the Grizzlies can come away with a game three victory. Um, if we if we play the same way I know we're capable of, we're causing torn, turnovers, causing havoc. Um, Jaws playing the way he's playing with the grit in his eyes, and we're keeping Cat at bay with uh, a rotation of Jaron, Brandon, Xavier, Kyle on him. Uh, I definitely think we come away with victory. I think game three and game four might be a little bit closer of games, uh, and I'm interested to see how we play in Minneapolis because, like you said, that Minneapolis was wild in that game, mm-hmm. that playing game with uh, the Clips. So. Definitely going to be interested to see, but I think the Grizz can. Uh, I think the Grizz can turn this uh, ship around and not just make it a one-game wonder um, and win it, win game three. I agree, and I agree. I think it's going to be the tightest game of the series. Um, this is a huge game that could swing the momentum either way. I mean, it's tied right now, and Minnesota wants to go up two-one going to game four, and we want to go up two-one. We at least need to split up there, but I think we win game three. Uh, I really do. I think it's going to go down to the wire, as you said. And I love the D'Lo prediction. He's been quiet, and he busts our ass every time we play them in the regular season. I feel like it's time. It's it's time for that to happen. It is. Um, yeah. I think that Grizz exactly killer. ultimate Grizz killer, and he's in the Hall of Fame for that for sure. But I think Desmond Bain has his first big game of the series as well. Oh, I like that too because Des been kind of quiet. Des and Jaren. I mean, hold on. Also, shout out Jaron. Seven blocks, broke a record for a Grizzlies playoff game. Mm-hmm. Granted, he also had just as much fouls as blocks. So, I mean, it is what it is. But you still can't deny him the fact that he got seven blocks. Um, I think he also got a few more that they wanted to call fouls. Uh, mostly because Cat was out there going, foul! God, I but, uh, him. Yeah, no, it is what it is. But anyways, that's a wrap on this Grizz Corner. G&G, and get at me after game three. I want all the smoke, just like John Morant. This next conversation is something I'm very excited about. This is a brand new segment called Trey's Best Bets. My brother Trey Furness has been getting at me trying to make you guys some money, and we finally got him on, and I'm so happy he came on the show. Um, we discuss lines, futures, and championship odds. So without further ado, here is Trey's Best Bets. Bets. What's up? What's up, Trey? How are you doing, bro? Dude, it's good. I'm good, bro. It's been a hot minute. How are you doing? I've been well. I've been well. I'm so happy to have you on for this brand new segment of Trey's Best Bets. We're just going to start off with uh, this upcoming weekend. Trey, what's your best lines? What's your what's your best bets for this weekend? Going into Thursday night, I'm looking at this Utah minus six with reports of Donovan Mitchell possibly not being able to play. And then also Luka Doncic being able to play in game three. I like this plus seven on the Mavs, really. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at that on Thursday. And then Golden State minus one and a half going up to Denver. I think that's kind of obvious. I think altitude may be playing into the line. I'm not sure why it's one and a half. So I'm taking, I'm smashing that Warriors one, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Warriors one, I, I would definitely take that all day. And I understand, you know, Denver back for game three. If they're going to win a game, it would be game three. But I just do not see it happen. I think Golden State's just a horrible matchup for uh, Denver. I couldn't agree more. I mean, all season long, Draymond gets under Jokic's skin. It's it's crazy. Oh, yeah. So Exactly. Um, Jokic got thrown out, I mean, in that last game. And I've never seen him that mad. That shit was crazy. Exactly. Mike Malone, he, he was about as close as he's ever been to calling out Jokic, too. He's... In the press conference after the game, he said, I'm going to have a chat with him about his temperament issues. So Facts. it'll be I mean, interesting to see how he responds to that from his coach as well. 
Facts. And he needs to have a chat with fucking DeMarcus Cousins, too, whatever the hell happened on the bench. Did you see that? Yeah, with him and Barton, dude. Like, <laughs> what the uh, That reminded me of, like, the Heat earlier this season. And Eric yes. Smolster said, you yes. want to fight? Like, yes, bro. <laughs> that shit was so funny. That was, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. You, you mentioned to me, you know, off air, some futures you wanted to get into. So what are you seeing in the future? Yeah, man. So um, I use FanDuel as a, bet, as a, uh, as a betting site. So if you go to Eastern playoffs, you can look at all the uh, all the series going on right now. I'm looking at this Bucks and Bulls one. If you got a correct score, you can choose like Bulls 4-1, which is obviously not going to happen. But I like the Bucks winning in five. So that's plus four, plus 145. Place, let's say, $10 bet. That's $14.50. Place $100 bet. That's $145. Bucks. So, you know, I think I think that's really good money right there. And then um, another one is the 76er sweep. So mm. with the way they're the way they've been playing, um, I know they're not gonna have Thibel, but I haven't seen any reports that Scotty Barnes is coming back anytime soon. Um, the way they're banged up, you know, I understand home court or whatever, but I just I think Philadelphia is gonna take this one at four. I really do. That one's at plus two ten. So that one's that one's got some good good money on it too. I I put. 20 down on that earlier today so dude i love that one because just like you said man scotty barnes being out is huge and i haven't even seen any signs of life from toronto i don't care that they're going back home for game three i just i i see that being a sweep and with the bulls in chicago one i could definitely see uh the bucks ending that in five um you know the other one would be maybe a sweep but honestly in five because chicago hasn't had playoff basketball there in five years so i could see the bulls rallying up in game three and taking a game from milwaukee and pushing it to five so i agree with both those one man that's easy money for sure that's what i was thinking too man and like with the bucks you know they're one of the worst three-point defending teams in the league mm -hmm. so i feel like when when they go back to chicago you know zach levine kobe white they have a chance to catch fire from the three-point line and then you know DeMar DeRozan has that playoff experience so hopefully hopefully they can snag a game get give me some more money in my pocket mm -hmm. uh we're gonna pivot to the east real quick who do you who are you betting on to come out of the east uh to come out of the east man so this one's a little risky one because and the re only reason I feel like it's risky is because of this first round matchup mm -hmm. but at plus 330 I'd like the Celtics, man. I like, really like the Celtics to come out with a chance of Robert Williams coming back for, for game three. First off, he's a hell of a defender. But mm -hmm. second, we, we saw how close that game that game one was. It's going to be interesting to see game two tomorrow. But I feel like if he can come back for game three, that's going to limit a lot of Brooklyn's inside chances, especially with players like Claxton and Drummond. You know, they're not very... Um, established i guess playoff wise so mm -hmm. i think i think that's going to get to them and then I, I like that one a lot with with the celtics yeah i could see that especially if they get robert williams back i could definitely see them out, coming out of the east uh let's go to the west who's your best bet for the west this one's all gonna rely on health at this point if you can mm -hmm. stay healthy and then uh because experience wise i just i love i love this pick experience wise I got Golden State coming out of the West, man. The way they're playing mm. right now, Jordan Poole, he's insane. He's on a tear. Clay's finally coming back into, into Clay's form, you know. Steph, uh, honestly, man, Steph off the bench has been lethal, <laughs> but I don't think that's gonna I don't think that's gonna happen again for game three. But um, yeah, dude, honestly, the way they're playing right now, I also like for this one, I like uh 
I like Golden State four to four and one uh, to win win in five. That one's at plus one forty five. But mm-hmm. um, you know, man, I really, I really think that uh, Golden State can come out of come out of the West and shock shock Phoenix and Phoenix. So. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that happening. They're the only ones with the real firepower to be able to knock off Phoenix too. And Golden well, State's clicking on all cylinders. The experience too, man. You got Draymond, Clay, Steph. They're all three-time oh, yeah. champions. So oh, yeah, championship pedigree for sure. Do you have anything when it comes to overall championship odds at all? You know, I honestly like the odds for the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors could could pull it off this year. That's a plus five hundred. Oh, wow. um, like I said, they've been they've been clicking on every cylinder right now. I mean. At this point, it kind of doesn't look like there's a team that is going to stop them. So um, I think that'll be interesting to see how the next round pans out. Hopefully, they're playing Memphis. You know, yeah. so big game tonight. Big game tonight there. Hopefully, yes, hopefully sure. they pull that one out. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think Golden State really has probably the most enticing and best odds to win the whole thing. So. If I look at this website real quick that I pull up all the time, it tells me the odds of them even making like next round and good stuff. And the Warriors have an 11% chance of winning the finals. That's tied for second or tied for third best with the Bucks behind the Celtics and the Suns. So I yeah. think it'll be, I think it'll, I think that's, a, I think that's a good bet, man. Dude, I do too, and I, I think that would be best for the money too. Plus five hundred, it's hard to pass up on you know Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and the way Jordan Poole is playing right now. So I get hundred percent see that. Oh, I was gonna say then you got Wiggins too, man. You know, I mean he hasn't oh, been playing sure. great lately, but you know he's he's length on the defense. He's a body. He can give you six fouls if you need. So. Mm-hmm, for sure, he's having a career year. I mean, somehow he yeah. started an All Star game. So I mean, he's got to be I was, something. I was, right. <laughs> he, he's got to be some way. The fans just like love him for something. So. Facts, yeah, for sure. Trey, thank you so much for coming on, man. And for everybody out there listening, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Trey, and we can't wait to have him. So I hope you have a good day, my friend. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This this is going to be a fun experience, bro. And I can't wait to do this again. And to the winners or listeners out there, let's go. Let's go cash these tickets, baby. Yes, sir, for sure. Let's pivot to these other series going on around the NBA. And we're going to start with, honestly, one of the biggest surprises, in my opinion. This is a series I predict to go six or seven games, and I could not have been more wrong on. Um, that is the 3-6 matchup out west between the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets. Jordan Poole has been an absolute showstopper in this series. <laughs> he has 59 points in his first two career playoff games. And Steph has been coming off the bench in the, the, these first two games. And it's he, obviously he's the greatest six man of all time going off the bench. He had 34 off the bench in game two. But uh, like I said, my prediction has been completely wrong. Warriors are firmly in control of this series. Nuggets are unraveling. Jokic got ejected in game two. Cousins was barking at uh, Will the Thrill Barton on the sidelines. They're just in shambles right now going back to Denver down 2-0. Um, I think game three is the only shot Denver has to win, and I, I honestly don't even think they win that. Cooper, what do you think when it comes to this series? I don't remember if my prediction was five games just because of Jokic because, I mean, I tended to lean that way if there was a massive star on the other side, but I think I was leaning in the four to five range on this series, so I'm glad that I got one series right because most of my other series were kind of pretty far off. But uh, the per- I'm going to harp on this. This is this is the key for the Nuggets. Uh, obviously, Jokic is going to do him. Um, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. 
um, if not the winner this year for a reason. He's incredible. You have no secondary star without MPJ or uh, I'm blanking hard on what's his name. Uh, Jamal Murray. Point. Thank you, Jamal Murray. I, I don't know why. I, wanted, I kept wanting to say Drew Holiday, but I was like, why am I thinking Drew Holiday? But it's probably because the Bucks playing right now. But uh, you have no secondary star. And last year, you trade at the trade deadline and get a guy who's wanting to be out of Orlando, who was the only good player on Orlando. Um, and you get him to come be like your fourth or fifth guy in Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Gordon played pretty decent with them in his first little first few games after the All-Star break and the trade deadline last year. Um, this season, he was all right. Um, I don't know his full stats for the year. I'm about to pull those up. But uh, in this series, he has been abysmal. Um, like, he's been, like, waveable. Like, I'd, Literally. I'd bench him. That's how bad he's been. Literally. Um, he is averaging seven and a half points, five rebounds, 31% from the field, and 14% from three. Um, I don't know who in the heck thinks Jokic is supposed to win games with this is your second best player um, just based on their careers. Uh, and I'd probably say Will Barton's probably their second best player in my personal opinion. But, like, this is the guy that you traded for. To be next to Jokic, and he's averaging that in a playoff series. It's abysmal. Um, it's abysmal. I mean, there's no other word for it. Like, he has to be better. And I'm telling you, he is a key to them winning game three. If he has... Dude, just score more points than Draymond Green. Draymond Green has more points than him in this series. With more three-point makes. Jack, Draymond hadn't shot three since the first year that the, the Dubs won the championship and he's made more threes than Aaron Gordon this series mm. I mean I don't know who expects to win a series like that I mean that's just horrible yeah um so he has to play better I mean has to be 15 points 15 to 20 points um for them to even be close to winning this game Facts. um I think Will Barton's been playing pretty decent um I didn't I didn't put his stats because I was just so harping on how bad Aaron Gordon's been but I'm gonna be honest with you I don't see Aaron Gordon pulling out 15 or 20. Um, and I think the Dubs are about to sweep. They're, I think they're going to get the brooms out for game three and just already have them ready. So they ain't got to go back home and grab them. But, uh, I mean, like, it's it's bad. Like, I mean, Jokic can only do so much. Yeah. And this is the worst possible matchup for Denver. And I, I wish I would have seen that at the beginning of the series because yes. I just thought – Jokic would dominate Kavon Looney, but the Warriors aren't even giving them a chance to play half-court basketball. They're flying up and down the floor, and <laughs> when you have Jordan Poole playing the way he is, Clay looking back like himself, Steph being Steph, and Draymond with the chemistry with all four of those guys, and oh yeah, you have Andrew Wiggins who started an all-star game this year as well. It's just unstoppable right now, and that five of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, and Draymond on the floor is absolutely – the numbers are incredible right now. Yes, it's a small sample size, but, I mean, people are comparing that to the Steph, KD, Clay lineup back in uh, – Yeah, for real. Jordan Poole filling some big shoes. Yeah, for real. As a 22-year-old kid, I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. And the potential is endless. And a lot of people said that, you know, in draft time last year, they should have – traded those two picks and got some veterans you know for the championship window these next couple years 
or Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga have been huge as well. So, and they they look like a team that has a bright present and a bright future. Uh, that that franchise is right where you want to be right now for sure. One hundred percent. I mean, I I remember Jordan Poole in college when he was playing for Michigan. I mean, dude was a, a bucket, like a bona fide star in in high in college. My bad, I said high school, but I didn't know whether or not he would translate mm-hmm. to the NBA. Because, I mean, you know, as well as I do, most really good college guys don't always translate to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock on, like, certain guys like that. It's just sometimes you can be an elite scorer in college, but it, it, you don't have the elite scoring abilities to get it done in the NBA. Exactly. Well. For example, but like Jordan, Jabari Parker, Luca Garza, just facts. to name a few. I mean, there's yep. plenty of, like, All-Americans like <laughs> that have not succeeded in the NBA because it's just different basketball. But yeah, I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. Exactly. No, no, you're you had more players on the top of your head than I did because I couldn't think of one. So I'm glad <laughs> you okay, jumped in. But uh, no, I mean he's average. You you said 59 points. He's averaging 29 and a half, uh, five and a half rebounds, three assists, uh, 65.5% from the field and almost 59% from three. Um. Splash Brother number three question mark. I right, mean, dude, he's dogging. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna compare him to KD because that's unfair to him. But like, I wouldn't even waste my time putting stuff on the bench. I would just roll out Steph, Jordan, Clay Thompson, Wiggs, and Draymond. It's gonna be the smallest lineup ever, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be lethal. <laughs> and to be honest, yes, I've been looking at the playoff bracket. Yes, I'm still nervous as hell about this T Wolf series. But I'm taking a big gulp right now for this possible second round matchup between the Warriors and Grizzlies. I really am. I did not expect the Warriors to look this good this fast. Like, I mean, in the regular season, Steph, Clay, and Dre, they only played 11 minutes together the entire year. And it looks like they haven't even skipped a beat. And it makes sense because they've won multiple championships together. But still, I mean, it's just unbelievable how good they look this early. Facts, yeah, I forgot we have to, might have to play them second round. <laughs> I'm not gonna sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't. We can change the subject off that real quick. Let's go to this Milwaukee and Chicago series. Uh, as you know, we re- guys we record this on Wednesday night, so this Milwaukee Chicago game two is going on as we speak. But we're just gonna speak on game one for now for something that's already in the books. I was, you know, I was watching the end of this game and I was shocked. Chicago even stayed in game one. DeMar DeRozan went six of 25 from the field. Six of 25. Yep. And Chicago had a chance down the stretch to win this. Uh, they actually defended really well, which has not been their calling card all year, obviously. They just made bonehead mistakes down the stretch. That Zach Levine jack-up three, something I still don't understand. But, you know, that was his first playoff game. So, you know, he gets a pass, whatever. But this also falls on Milwaukee. We talked about the Memphis Grizzlies being flat in game one. Milwaukee hadn't played in a week either, and they just they just looked flat. Um, that that's what it was. I, I I really game one didn't sway me either way. I mean, I still feel like Milwaukee's gonna take care of this. If not four, then five at the most. Um, how are you feeling about this, Coop? I'm I'm agree with you. I'll, this one doesn't really sway me one way or the other i mean this was kind of a just a slugfest of a game um i mean they combined teams were 17 of 75 from three 
Um, they had just as many misses as the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves had fouls and free throws attempts in the first game, um, which is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, 17 of 75 is just some bad basketball. I mean, both of these teams shot really poorly. But I thought a big X factor for the Bulls was they got some dudes back. Um, they got a Patrick Williams back, who we haven't seen him very much all year because he got injured really early. Um, Caruso played really, uh, really big minutes. I mean, they got some guys back. And I thought, I mean, I think Giannis still had like 18 and 25 or something like that. Something outrageous. I don't remember what his exact stats were. But I definitely think getting a Patrick Williams back helps the Bulls because that gives Giannis somebody with length to mm-hmm. see. Um, which you just said it. The Bulls don't really have defense. That's not what they're, that's not what they do. But Patrick Williams is a defender first, and he has really good length that is good to put on Giannis. So I thought that was a that's gonna be a, that's that's gonna I'm gonna be interested to see in the second game. Um, but then also on the Buck side, Giannis needs help, dude. Like yep. it's pitiful. I mean, everybody always hates on Chris Middleton, and I don't want want to like just harp on him because, like I said, like we both said, it's only in one game, but. Chris Middleton's got to be better on the offensive side of the basketball. Yes, defensively he played fine because he's playing on Levine and Demar, and both of them did not shoot very well. But he's just gotta, he's gotta help Giannis. Giannis is gonna see five people uh, every time he tries to drive. Or at least that's what they, that's what the Bulls should be doing. Um, but you've got to help him uh, a lot, and I just don't think. I always get discouraged by Chris Middleton in playoff time because I just feel like he doesn't do that. I was also interested in the fact that they started Wes Matthews, but he's been shooting it pretty pretty well since in the few times. He doesn't shoot very much, but he shot it well. So um, I, I still think Milwaukee gets out of this in four. Um, they're playing right now, and it's a tight game, 33-30. Mm-hmm. Um, Bulls favor a um, little bit in the second, so I'll be interested to see. But uh, DeMar's already shooting better than he was in the first game, which is helpful. But I just don't think the Bulls are there quite yet. No, I, I completely agree with you. I'm just going to piggyback on the Chris Middleton point. Um, I believe Kevin O'Connor said this. I apologize if it's not him, but I'm almost positive it is. Um, he said, Chris Middleton, you can watch him. Like, If you believe Chris Middleton is one of the best game closers in the league right now. You could watch a game and believe that. If you believe Chris Middleton has disappearing acts and is extremely overrated, you could watch a game and see that. It can go either way. He is so hot and cold. Yes, he's not a flashy player, but it's like there's stretches you don't even notice that he's on the court, and there's stretches that he looks like the very best player on the court with Giannis. And it, he's got to, I don't know, that's what has kind of kept him from superstardom. Yes, he's a multiple-time All-Star, but from superstardom, the consistency has not been there through Chris's career. He's made some big-time shots, and he's a NBA champion for it. But at the same time, he's not a superstar because he does not consistently go out there night in and night out and look like one of the best players on the court. Yep, couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said Let's it. Let's move out east to these one-eight matchups: Miami and Atlanta. This is a series we thought um, would be pretty entertaining, and that has not been that so far. 
Um, they the Miami Heat have done a number on Trey Young. He has not looked well in Game One and Game Two. Game One, he shot very poorly. Game Two, this dude had ten turnovers, ten, and it was just a rough game for Trey Young. But I'll tell you who it wasn't a rough game for. That is Jimmy <laughs> Butler, aka Hemi Butler. Jimmy Butler just dropped forty-five points bro his playoff career high i thought it was higher but it wasn't i just think of bubble jimmy all the time whenever i think about jimmy butler the playoff i called you last night and said oh my god like jimmy butler like his regular season numbers if you look at him they're not that good not good but this man when the lights shine the brightest he shows up he shows up and with this series my prediction hasn't really changed i still say five or six but honestly i'm leaning towards five and the way they're defending Trey Young, uh, uh, full-on sweeps, not out of the question in this series. So um, I think either way, Miami take cares, uh, take, takes care of business. Um, Cooper, how are you feeling about this one, man? I agree. Uh, I originally said five, thinking that Trey could steal a game. Um, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have faith in Trey at the moment. I don't either. Uh, uh, the Heat have played incredible defense. I mean, literally all I wrote for this was Trey – has to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, game one, eight points, six rebounds, four assists, six turnovers, eight percent from the field, mm-hmm. 0 of seven from three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then game two, 25 points, yes, still not very good. Um, he was six percent, uh, six rebounds, seven assists, 10 turnovers, as you said, uh, two of 10 from three. He is shooting a whopping 11 percent from three in this series and 29 percent from the field with eight turnovers per game um you're not winning a game <laughs> with Trey Young playing like that no. um and it's just I mean it's just disappointing but at the end of the day um this roster last year kind of took everyone kind of by surprise when they uh got to the conference finals the way they did nobody was expecting that ever um and so I think this team's just kind of seeing the flaws that they had, um, and it's just kind of coming to coming to light. And I think they're going to have to make some changes in the offseason. But I think the Heat are probably going to handle this in four. Because if you're getting 45 points from Jimmy Butler and you're keeping Trey on to 11% from three, uh, yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> you can go ahead and wrap. Like, Hawks don't even show up to the next game. Because, um, I mean, Jimmy Buckets, in, in this playoffs, I mean, his season stats, I'll read you his season stats. 57 games, 21.4 points, 6 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 48% from the field, 23% from 3. In the playoffs, the man is averaging 33 points, 5.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 60% from the field, and 55 from 3. Jimmy Buckets is on one. And uh, I like watching Jimmy Buckets when he's on because he is such a fun player to watch. And uh, the Heat are a fun team to to, in my opinion, because I love watching him, Bam Adebayo, uh, Kyle Lowry, and uh, Tyler Hero. They're just a fun team because uh, I like that defensive mindset that they bring, the tenacity that they bring, and I think uh, I think they're probably going to run pretty cleanly through the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just a piggyback off Jimmy Butler, another reason I hate the Timberwolves is because Jimmy was there one year and took them to their only playoff appearance in the last 18 years. And in in that, he left because he would constantly get into it with Sir Carl Anthony Towns, who he called soft as shit in practice because he is. 
And that's what I love about Jimmy. That's what kind of player he is. He's going to call you out. He's going to give his best effort, and he expects the same from you. He doesn't care if you're 21 years old. He expects your best effort. And that's what I love about Jimmy Ooh. Butler for sure. Yo. But let's go to the another 1-8 matchup. A matchup where you and I, you know, probably took two breaths on this series in last week's episode. But now we're we're pumping the brakes on this one. Like, what the hell is going on out in Phoenix? I was shocked when I saw the result of this game last night. Yes, I know Devin Booker got hurt and that had a huge part to do with it. He did hurt his hamstring. He could be out game three and game four. Uh, we'll see. But honestly, when I thought about the Phoenix Suns, the reason I was shocked is because I always considered CP3 could go down. CP3 could go down. But I always pointed back to Devin Booker did more than keep this team afloat when CP3 was down um, you know, a quarter of the year. Booker, Booker and their Suns had a nine-game win streak when CP3 was hurt. So I was like, you know what? They'll be fine. I never considered Devin Booker to be having – an injury like this one. This is a bad injury to have at the beginning of a long playoff run. Hamstrings linger. We know that. We saw that in James Harden and the Nets run uh, last year. So that's crazy because, I mean, D-Book, he had 31 before he left. And then he left and New Orleans just run a ran away in the second half. And, yes, it went kind of went down to the wire. They ended up winning by 11. But, my God, Brandon Ingram. My God, Brandon Ingram. <laughs> 30 Slenderman has made an appearance. Slenderman had made an appearance for sure. He had 37, 11, and 9. One assist away from a 37-point triple-double on the road against the number one seed, against the best team in the league all year long. And this is a big loss. This is a big loss for Phoenix, mm-hmm. especially with losing Booker, too. I mean, because you go back to New Orleans, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. New Orleans could split at home with Phoenix and possibly push it to a game six. You never know. I still think Phoenix is going to take care of business in this series, but God, just going into the playoffs, it was like, I mean, we could hand the trophy to Phoenix right now. I mean, that's how I, how sure I was feeling that they were going to make it to the finals. And this just changes everything. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Devin Booker can heal up. I know, I think they're going to get out of the first round, obviously, but. You know, we'll see when it comes to the conference finals how Devin Booker's feeling after going through a couple tough series. And, you know, if CP3 can hold up as well. So it's going to get interesting, though, for sure. What did you see last night in that shocking outcome with the Pelicans beating the Suns last night? So, yeah, you, I mean, you hit on it. Um, D-Book had 31 before they went out. And, uh, I mean, it was a close game at half. Uh, I think it was five points, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And, D-Book had all 31 points in the first half. Um, so, and he got injured about uh, halfway through the third, a little bit over halfway, and they were down three because uh, he got injured on a trying to block a Jackson Hayes dunk, mm. um, which I don't know why you would even try that because he's not missing that. I mean, that's all Jackson Hayes does. But, yeah, losing book hurts. Um, losing book hurts a lot. Um, I mean, I, I'm still agreeing with you. I think, I think, yeah, maybe this can go to six or seven now, but I think Phoenix still wins. I was more shocked at the fact that uh, Phoenix's defense was just yeah, almost non-existent in this game. Yes, don't get me wrong. Don't take any credit away from the Pelicans. They have really incredible offensive-minded guys in Jonas, uh, CJ McCollum, and Brandon Ingram, but I was still not expecting. I mean, they hung... Uh, 
they hung 125 points on this team. Um, who's one of the better defensive teams. You have Mikael Bridges. You have Jay Crowder. CP3 is not a bad defender. D-Book's not a bad defender. Uh, big man. I can't think of his name right now. I'm breaking real hard. But he's a really good defender. Um, I like it. I just... This is not a team that I would have expected New Orleans to be able to drop 125 on. But when B.I. is playing out of his mind, I mean, he shot 62% and 100% from three. So, like, B.I. was on one. But uh, I just, I was shocked by that. And, I mean, you go from game one where it's a vintage CP3 game. Uh, he had, let me flip over. He had... 30 points, 10, re- 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. He only missed 4 shots and only had 2 turnovers in Game 1. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they routed in Game 1. Um, but um, Game 2, he he wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he had he had twelve or 17 points, um, 14 assists, which is good, but he shot 30% from the field. Um, and he was minus 12 when he was on the court. So, like... I don't know what they're going to do with uh, D-Book going out. I don't, I don't know whether or not it's a Landry Shamit into the starting lineup, Cameron Payne, or like a Cam Johnson. Dude, I don't either, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they do. Like, that's, I'm just, <laughs> losing D-Book was kind of never a possibility for me. Holy God, that was um, so funny. I mean, hey, Landry Shamit got a torch on him occasionally. Dude, oh, he does. I just completely forgot that dude was on that team. I don't know why that caught me so off guard, dude. Because it's like, I mean, that's a real possibility. Like, I'm not laughing at you at all because that is a real possibility. I'm just laughing at the fact nah, yeah. that that's a possibility right now. And that's like, we have to think about yeah. that. Like, it's, it's, it's just funny to me. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's funny to me because, like, I'm not saying that, like, to be mean to Landry Shamit, but, like, yeah. You're about to drop from Devin Booker to Landry Shaman. Yeah. I mean, like that's like like that's what they have to consider because like, do you want to move Cam Johnson and Cameron Payne off the bench where they've been really really good right. this year, and maybe move them in the starting lineup and just play bigger with Cam Johnson and have like three forwards and Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, and Cam Johnson, or do you want to go with a typical shooting guard and Shaman? Mm-hmm. So like, Monty Williams. Is, is going to get to make his case for coach of the year. I mean, obviously they don't, I don't know if they count playoffs. I don't think they do, but uh, Taylor Jenkins made his and was proven why he deserved it mm-hmm. uh, in game two. So Monty Williams gets his turn. And just real quick with, you know, continuing on the Suns questions, can CP three with all the mileage he has on him, can he still carry a team to the playoffs? He had 30, 10 and seven in game one. And in game two, he had 17. Yes, he had 14 assists. That's that's huge. That's a big number of assists. But you're not <laughs> if you're getting Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton involved, who else are you gonna get involved? I mean, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne. No Devin Booker really hurts with that. And you were talking about, you know, their Olay defense. This is a team that is capable of defending. I mean, look in game one. They held this Pelicans team with CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas to 34 points in the first half. In the first half, they held them to 34 <laughs> points. And then last night, Clamped. yeah, last night it was just a freaking runway. It, it, it was bad, and I never thought we would spend any time on this series in the first round. And we didn't spend any time on this series last week, but this is going to be one to keep an eye on. Not because the Pelicans have a possibility to win this series. We're not saying that at all. 
we're just saying, you know, Phoenix comes out of this thing with some bruises like it's looking right now. It's that could dent, you know, a possible Suns Warriors conference finals or a Suns Grizzlies conference finals. We'll we will see for sure. Um, we're going to move to the four five matchup out west as well. This Dallas Utah series has been one of the most bizarre playoff series I've ever seen. And these two teams are probably the worst playoff teams I can remember in recent memory. But <laughs> Dallas went off last night and on threes, and they made 22 threes. Jalen Brunson had 41 in a playoff game, which is laughable. This sounds like something that would happen on a Tuesday night in like mid-November. But Jalen Brunson had 41, and Maxi Kleber had eight threes, and they ended up beating Utah at home. And... I don't think they're shooting sustainable. I think Utah still wins this series if Luka's out. But Luka's saying supposed to come back three or four, but there's a big difference between three or four, man. If you drop three, um, that puts you down 2-1 in Utah, and then Luka has, he comes back to a must-win situation in game four in Utah. I mean, we know how uh, crazy Salt Lake City can get for their jazz. I mean, I it's looking oh, yeah. bleak for Dallas, and we're talking about Phoenix – you know, the, their bruises coming out of this Pelican series, well, their lucky asses get to play Dallas or Utah before they go to the conference finals. So that'll be a bye, a bye couple weeks for them. So they'll be able to heal up for the conference Fair finals. Enough. But it still does, you know, put a dent in from the conference finals. But this Dallas-Utah thing, I, I mean, whatever. How do you feel about it? Yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm basically the same. Uh, it's a tale of two games. I mean, I'm just going to take it game by game because that's all I really can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a slugfest of a series. Um, but I'll just, I'm just i going to start with this, with the Jazz. Um, Rudy Gobert. I'm, I'm going to actually defend him Jack, which I know I know you think is going to be crazy. I'm going to hate on him and defend him at the same time. Please do both because um, I he deserves to be mentioned. Yeah. Um, he In this playoff series, he is averaging a whopping six and a half points. Dallas has no effing center. Mm-hmm. How are you only averaging six and a half points? Well, you, this you man see, didn't even take a shot in the second game. But Cooper, <laughs> he has a two hundred five million dollar contract. He's a three time Defensive Player of the Year. He shines in the brightest moments in the playoffs, right? He didn't get played <laughs> off the court last year against a Kawhi-less Los Angeles Clippers team, right? Like, and now he's letting Jalen Brunson go for fucking forty one points, and same with Max Kleber with twenty five. I mean this. It's an embarrassment. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it is. No, it is. And I'm like, Quinn Snyder should be ashamed of himself because (laughs) you're playing a team that doesn't even have, you're playing a team that doesn't even have their best player. And you, you're you're one and one. You're like, you're tied up with them because you're dude that averages, oh, I think it's like 35 mil a year. I mean, you, you had the exact numbers, but I think it's 35 mil a year and he's averaging Six and a half points. Granted, 17 rebounds. Uh, but again, you're the only center in the entire series. Um, and by the way, he only has two, he has two and a half blocks. Uh, Jaron Jackson has two more blocks than him in just one game in the playoffs so far. So, uh, yeah. And Jaron wasn't even the defensive player of the year finalist because that was complete and utter bull that Rudy Gobert was even in consideration for the top three finalists. Um, the fact that he beat out Jaren or Giannis um, is just outrageous. But shout out to you for guessing right on the first guard to win it since the glove. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate Marcus that, Smart. Uh, I appreciate that. But uh, 
yeah i just i just don't get it i mean this there's not much to say about game one it's Mavs shot 38 percent from the field 28 from three 76 and a half from free throw and jazz shot 43 percent from the field 32 from free throw and or from three and 87 from free throw so the team that shot better won this game it was it was, it was a crappy game i'll say it um it was horrible I um, mean, then I had to watch the Grizzlies get absolutely massacred after it, so it wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, but then game two comes around. Jalen Brunson pulled out his inner dog, had 41 points, eight, I think it's eight rebounds, five assists, or something like that, or it might be flipped on those. Um, 60% from the field, 60% from three with no turnovers, which is pretty dang impressive in my book. Um, and yeah, Maxi Kleba. Um, if Rudy Gobert is going to let him shoot eight for 11 from three, 10 of 16 through the two, first two games from three, um, Jazz are going home. Like, I don't, with or without Luca, if you're letting Maxi Kleba be 10 of 16 from three for through two games, Rudy Gobert, you are not winning the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if Luca comes back, because uh, Luca's going to get him more shots, anyways. Um, but that's, you got to get, I'll give credit to uh, uh, Dallas right here before I crap on the Jazz again. Because uh, I have one more thing that I want to crap on them about, uh, but I mean, you're playing you're playing offensively like incredible because of the way that um, Utah defends. Like Rudy Gobert wants to stay down low. Like that's the only way he gets blocks. So he wants to stay down low. Um, but you're stretching them out just by having five people on the wings or, or on the three-point line at all times. So Rudy Gobert cannot stay down low. Um, so credit to them for that. But I'm going to crap on the Jazz just one more time. Um, they played nine. They played a nine-player rotation in Game 2, Jack. Five of those nine players combined for 12 total points. That's including Mike Conley, who I love. Don't get me wrong. I love Mike Conley. That's including Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, who combined for, I think, eight of those, which... Mike Conley had zero. He was 0 for 7 from the field and 0 for 3 from 3. Um, Donovan Mitchell cannot do it all. I literally I literally have written right here. Uh, where is it? Uh, Mitchell needs help. He has 59 field goal attempts. He has the same amount of field goal attempts as Jordan Poole does points throughout the first two games of these series. Mm-hmm. Um, he's And he's only 38% from the field and 31 from 3. That's not very good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's pitiful. He needs help. And the fact that your center only has six and a half points, and he I think he's taken a total of seven shots in the entire series, it's a fireable offense, in my opinion, for Quentin Snyder. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Mm-hmm. That's a fireable offense in my book. Mm-hmm. He's making outrageous amounts of money, and you're not even using him in the game. Like, it's just it's ridiculous in my book. And I, I completely agree with the Donovan Mitchell needs help. Mike Conley looks like a shell of himself. You and I watch Mike Conley for over a decade. He does not. Holy fuck. Joel B with the three. Holy fuck. I have been like trying to like wait until this game's over. Cause if this is an overtime now. Yeah. To like talk about yeah. it. But no, I pulled it I'm, up when I saw it went to overtime. Yeah, I'm not going to wait anymore because, I mean, we're talking about the shittiest series anyway. So, Dallas, Thanks. Utah, whatever, none of those teams are making a pass the second round anyways. Let's move on <laughs> to this 4-5 matchup. As of right now, Joel Embiid just hit a fallaway three with .7 seconds left in overtime in Toronto. 
um the big man just showed up and had an unbelievable follow away three yes there's still 0.7 seconds left in this game forgive us we're reacting live to this right now but um it, this has taken everything out of Toronto to be as close as it is. Precious Achua has 20 points off the bench. This Toronto team started Ken Birch tonight, so that should tell you how depleted they are right now. But um, this has taken everything out of Toronto just to keep it close. And if Toronto was going to win a game, it would have been game three. We'll see if they can do anything right now with this .7 seconds left. But um, forgive me, Cooper, if you're ahead of me. I don't, I don't know where you are. It's... No, I'm point points. Yeah, they just put yeah, point eight same, on the board. Same here. They just put point eight on the board for me as well. Um, T. Andre Jordan. So fucking. Why are they taking so long? I don't know. But Joe Allen beats just looks like a fucking monster. God, I love him. I just pulled it up because I saw there was like with two seconds left. I saw it was tied and it hadn't moved. I was like, all right, they got to be coming out of timeout. I'll see what happens. And Joe LB just hit. According that. to ESPN, according to ESPN, it just went final. But I won't spoil it okay, for you. Good, please don't. It's if it just went final, then obviously Philadelphia just won because Toronto. All they could do is fucking tie it. Yo. All right, so Toronto with 0.8 seconds left, just a, abysmal pass and and OG and a Jeez, yeah, that's yeah. horrible. Bad. Joe Embiid for the win and has just put this series away for Philadelphia in command 3-0 Joel Embiid in MVP talks all year shows up in the biggest moment I didn't see James Harden I don't know if he was on the floor um, I'm sure he had under 20 points because that's what he does in the playoffs um, but Joel Embiid you would be correct how, uh, 19 correct yep okay cool um I mean, would Maxi have 19, correct? Because Maxi is yeah. a better second option. Yes, James Harden fills in those stats better right now. But also keep in mind, Maxi is a young player. And I was going to wait till the end of discussing this series to ask you this. But, I mean, we, we, there's not much to talk about in this series. We can talk about it if you want to. Scotty Barnes, ever since that, that injury changed the entire series. Injury, yeah. Yeah, 76ers now up 3-0. There's nothing really to talk about. It's, you know, it's time to start seeing what they're going to look like against Miami in the second round. But how do you feel, you know, looking back on it now, um, so a lot of people, a lot of my community on TikTok still believes that 76ers should have made that trade. And then, you know, the true diehard Philly fans that are realists like you and I are with the Grizzlies thinks they shouldn't have made that trade, even though they're up 3-0, I mean, against Toronto in the first round. That's not their goal. Can they beat Miami with this team and James Harden playing the way he is? I don't know. Um, do you think they that Philly should have still made this trade for what they gave up, or how are you feeling about it? I still don't like who they who else they had to give up. Yeah, um, losing Seth Curry still hurts me um, for them. Granted, they did shoot forty percent from three tonight, um, but like, could you imagine it, like how different this team would look if Seth Curry is in this lineup? Because um, it would just be way different. But um, I. St- I don't think Ben Simmons was ever going to play again for Philadelphia, so they at least got something for him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I look at it. Um, but I also think they need to move off Tobias Harris. Um, I've been thinking that for a really long time. Um, I think Tyrese Maxey is your point guard of the future alongside Joel Embiid, and I think you just need to fill around them. Um, I don't know whether or not that's by trading away James Harden or letting them walk. Well, they paid him, didn't they? 
Didn't they already pay him? No, but I mean, it's kind of a verbal agreement. They're going to pay him an ungodly amount of money. Daryl Morey is just going to back yeah. up the Brent truck for him because, I mean, he literally has a love affair yeah. for James Harden. He really does. I mean, oh, no. I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, I mean, I, I was completely wrong in this series. I, I thought Toronto was going to be a little bit more competitive. But like you already mentioned, Scotty Barnes yeah. going down killed them. And then Gary Trent's been horrible in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, tonight he played a little bit better. Yeah. Had 24 points, which is what I expected him to play like. And shot almost 50% from both the field and from three. But prior to that, he was four and a half points, two and a half rebounds, uh, no assists. Uh, 14% from the field and 25 from three. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, they just didn't have, I mean, losing Scotty, who's your third or fourth best player, um, and then not having your other fourth or fifth best player not show up kind of kills you. But uh, I'm going to talk about Tyrese Maxey. I, I don't want, I, I don't like talking about James Harden. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say one more thing on James Harden. And that, that's just because people, people say that, well, you know, it's better than Ben Simmons, 0-0-0 zero, zero, and zero a game, you know, whatever James' stats are right now. Fair. Yeah. And I, I look at them and I say, have you seen C.J. McCollum this year? Yo. Have you seen what he's done? Can you imagine that alongside Joel, Joel Embiid? And, oh, yeah, Portland went to ask for both Seth and Andre Drummond. You could have kept one of those as well, along with C.J. McCollum, along with Tyrese Maxey. Seth Curry sitting in the corner, Andre Drummond still coming off your bench, giving you really, really good minutes. I would take that in a heartbeat over this. For me to change my mind on this trade, now if they take care of Miami, that's a big if. If they take care of Miami, I will raise my eyebrows, you know, lean back and say, you know what, I'm wrong. I just don't see that. James Harden will not show up against Miami. Especially with PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, all the dogs they have, I do not see that in James Harden. But anyways, I'll let you continue. No, to, I don't either. Yeah, we can talk about the bright spot now, and that is Tyrese Maxey. He is a Tyrese Maxey. This is your boy mm-hmm. right God, here. I, love him. Um, I mean, I don't have it. I don't have this game included stats, but tonight I'll talk about tonight. He had 19 points, uh, eight of 18. Yeah, I mean, this is probably his worst game of the series thus far, but I mean, still 19 points in a playoff game on the road is not an easy ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the series before this, he was averaging 30 and a half points, six and a half uh, rebounds, five assists, 69% from the field, and 57 from three. So, I mean, he was dogging. Um, he was playing really well. Um, and Joel, honestly, I-, I told you that I thought Joel was going to average probably like 40 and 20. He's not too far off, but he's obviously not averaging 40 and 20. Um, but Tyrese is playing really, really well. I mean, that that's honestly, if I'm Philly, you you kind of shot yourself in the foot. I know I just said I wasn't going to talk about James Harden anymore, but here I come right back to it. You kind of shot yourself in the foot. It, exactly. Because you got a guy who you and I both said, does this prohibit Tyrese Maxey? Mm-hmm from continuing to progress because we saw him progressing. So does it prohibit that from happening? Um, Granted, he's averaging what he's averaging right now. Yeah, but that's because Um, Tyrese Maxey has stuck his head up above the bullshit and he is good enough to – he's good enough now. It doesn't matter what's around him. He's going to produce. It's not – he's not producing right now because of what James Harden is doing. That's bullshit and people know that because that's what I've heard too. Well, Tyrese Maxey's exploded ever since James – no, no. If you're a Philly fan, yeah, no. You This entire year leading up to that trade, Tyrese Maxey – was looking like a valid second option. 
I didn't think he'd look like this in the playoffs and show up this big time in the playoffs. But yeah, anyways, continue. Yeah, no, I agree. No, you literally took the words right out of my mouth because you and I think the exact same. <laughs> sure. uh, but I mean, he's he was doing this beforehand. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he gave the Grizzlies like almost forty. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> and that, and then they made the trade, and you and I were both like. You're killing it. Yeah. Like, you're killing him. Like, this is literally take, putting a ball hog on the team for to take away from what he's doing right now. Yeah. Now, granted, yes, they're, they're a 3-0, like you just said. Um, Toronto is a shell of itself if they don't have Scotty Barnes. I'm just going to say it. Scotty Barnes is an incredible piece in what they do. Um, and also, Gary Trent's not been himself. So, like, you're not getting the Toronto team that you and I were talking about is one of the hottest teams coming in the playoffs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I mean, we can't take, put too much stock in a, if they sweep, I mean, yes, if they sweep, they sweep, um, like give credit where credit's due. They swept, swept a series, which is hard to do in the NBA, but Miami waits for them around the corner. And you just said it, Jimmy Butler's going to be on Tyrese Maxey or James Harden. Thanks. Um, Kyle Lowry's going to be on whoever Jimmy Butler's not on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joel is going to have a fun time with PJ Tucker and the, the scariest center neutralizer of the world at six, five, um, <laughs> and bam out of bio. I mean, that that's going to be a completely different series and a completely different task, uh, for Philadelphia. So we'll see what they're really made of. Like you said, there's not much to talk about in this one with kind of how game three went down I, I agree with you wholeheartedly i thought they needed that the toronto needed to win game three to win a game mm-hmm. um and they didn't do that here so um I, I i hope they can win one but i don't think they will and we talk about toronto's depth philly has no depth they um pretty much since that trade they've had the worst bench in the league if if james goes down god forbid if tyrese or joel goes down even if Tobias Harris goes down, I think, you know, it's a wrap. You know, get the plane yeah. home, get the plane to Mexico ready, yeah. go lay on a beach somewhere because they have no depth on the bench. When George Niang's your best option off the bench, you have a serious fucking problem. And when DeAndre Jordan yeah. is on your team, you have any type of problem. I mean, Jesus. But <laughs> DeAndre Jordan should not be. If, if DeAndre Jordan still has a job, then I think you and I deserve a chance. Facts. He's still living off that dunk he had on Brandon Knight like nine years ago, whenever the fuck that was. Facts. Back in the, uh, what were they called? Uh, him and Blake Griffin. Oh, yeah. Lob City. Flop City. City. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move into a series that everyone thought would be the best series, including us, be the best series of the first round. Game one was the best game I've watched all year. I will give it that. And it did, you know, even exceed the hype a little bit in game one. I loved seeing villain Kyrie. We thought that, you know, it'd be interesting with what he said as when he was a Celtic. Yes, I'm going to resign. And then he literally left the next year. We all know that, but he embraced that role. I didn't think he'd go as far as he did. He flipped off the crowd, not once, but (laughs) twice. His post-game press conference had so many fireworks. I had a hard time cutting down my quotes. He ended the press conference with, you know, embrace it. This is the dark side. Embrace it. And he also said, people want me to be humble. Nah, fuck that. It's the playoffs. And there, there was just... I mean, he got fined $50,000. You can't just be, like, flipping your middle finger up multiple times a game. But yeah, I, I love seeing Villain Kyrie in game one. Um, but 
the ending of game one, I think, was a huge growth period in the defensive player of the year now in Marcus Smart. Him pump faking, passing up that three, having the patience to get it to Tatum for that game-winning layup was just massive. Um, of course, JT, that cut was fantastic when Kevin Durant kind of fell asleep on defense there. But uh, I'll let you kind of get into game two. But game one, I mean, that was just a gritty win by Boston. And game two, they really solidify that they're the better team in this series. Here, here you go. This is the only stat I need to say um, to prove Boston's defensive prowess because they've played probably the best defense I've ever seen on Kevin Durant. Yes. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant combined from the court. 8 of 30 from the court. Jeez. Oh for th- or 1 for 3 from 3. So they're not even shooting threes. But they're 8 of 30. I mean, that's those are your two best players. Yep. Like, I don't I don't know what you want. Like, eight of 30, 26% is not winning you very many games. No. That's not even like they're chunking up 10 threes a game. Like, that's that's on three threes. Um, the majority of Kevin Durant's points came from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie had 10 total points and one assist. Yep. Um, yeah, well-deserved. I know I already talked about... Uh, um, Marcus Smart, he, he deserved it. Um, and I loved how the glove was the one that told him about it and everything like that because it's the first one since the glove. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we can talk all night along about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, and how they're not producing right now, but it's because of the defense that the Celtics are playing. But I'm going to talk about two keys that I think for the Nets, if they're going to come back in this series, which you and I both know, being down 2-0 is you're, you're setting yourself in a hole. Um, Bruce Brown has to play the way he played again tonight, which shout out Bruce Brown. You had a really he had a really solid game. 23 points on 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. Um, granted, 12 of these points were the first 12 points scored, I think. <laughs> so uh, we can take that with a grain of salt. But I also think Goran Dragic has been a amazing for them in this playoff. Um, he had 18 points this game, 8 of 14 from the field uh he didn't shoot the three very well but i mean when he comes in the game he just goes and scores um i don't remember what he had the first game but i remember him scoring the way he kind of scored tonight um he only plays 20 minutes and he has 18 points i mean that's almost a point per minute that he's on the court which is pretty insane um and kind of back to what i said about the the grizz um and how it's can our bench be better than your bench because i think our star power versus your star power is pretty equivalent, if not a little bit more, whose bench is going to be the one that's better. Um, I definitely think, because Jason Tatum's not even played that well. And I mean, in my opinion, yes, I told you, texted you right before we uh, hopped on when Jason Tatum started taking over. Um, I was like, well, Jason Tatum take over. But I mean, Jason Tatum, uh, let me get back to it, shot. He had 31 in the first game on 50% from the field. So, obviously, I'm not talking first game. But uh, in this game tonight, he was, I think, 4 of 16 from the field. Um, I think that was up until the last thing. I think I was looking before he started going nuclear and just takeover mode. Um, He was, tonight, he was uh, 31% from the field, 40% from three for 19 points. But he had... 10 assists and six rebounds. That's the I think that's the difference in this series is the fact that yes, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown may not be scoring and doing it efficiently, 
but they're getting every one of their teammates involved. Al Horford has turned back the clock. Marcus Smart is playing incredible. Payne Pritchard's given really solid minutes. Um, Grant Williams is playing like a dog. I mean, Grant Williams is looking like he was in college when he was considered to be the uh, player of the year in college at Tennessee. Um, they are just all around playing incredible team basketball. Um, it's only a Honestly, Peyton Pritchard in the first game didn't even play that much, but uh, in game two, played a little bit more um, and, like, played really well. Um, and so, like, I'm going to say eight-man rotation, but it's kind of like a seven-man rotation that the Celtics are throwing out, and they're just playing incredible team basketball. And this was without the guy that I thought was going to be key for them in the playoffs, and Robert Williams. Uh, they don't even have their big man back yet. When Daniel Tice is starting, that's not a good thing, but he hasn't been a complete and utter liability yet. Um, and so give Boston credit. I mean, they were losing this game. And I mean, I thought Brooklyn was in, I mean, they were up about 10 at half and I thought they were in control of this game. They were, they looked like they were executing their game plan really well. Um, but Boston just took over. I mean, I mentioned Peyton Pritchard in 16 minutes, 10 points, five of seven from the field. Um, Grant Williams in 32 minutes, 17 points, 100% from the field, uh, four for four from the field, three from three from three, uh, and six for six from the free throw line, six rebounds, two blocks, mm -hmm. plus nine. Peyton Pritchard was a plus 15. Al Horford was a plus 11. Um, like, I mean, Al Horford giving you the minutes and the points in production that he had given you it was not expected. Um, but Boston, Boston is a team-oriented team whose defense is unmatched. I mean, the things they're doing to Kevin Durant, I mean, they're harassing Kevin Durant. Like, they're putting him in a jail cell night in and night out. Mm -hmm. um, so, Brooklyn's going to have to figure something out. Um, and But I do think they, they need to continue getting uh, production from guys like Bruce Brown, Drummond, who hasn't been I don't even remember. I remember a dunk he had tonight, and that's about it from these two games. I don't remember Drummond showing up at all. Um, but they need production from Drummond, Brown, Curry, and Drogic, and Patty Mills if they're going to win this series. Because Kyrie and Kevin Durant are in a jail cell. Um, so other guys, their, their surrounding pieces have to do it for them. And I, I heard inklings that Ben Simmons could be eyeing a game four return. But the problem with that is you might possibly already be down 3-0. So, I don't know. I, I think I, – I still think Boston was a series. I don't think – and I, it might not be six games now, if I'm being honest. But uh, I wonder – what are your thoughts on that? I'm leaning that way too, man. Boston, after watching game two, um, you know how I felt going into these playoffs. I said after the Brooklyn play-in game, it made me feel worse about Brooklyn. They get a combined 60 points out of Kyrie and KD. They beat a depleted Cavs team by five at home. Um, the Nets are going back home down 2-0. And, you know, as a Nets fan, you should feel good about going home. You know, maybe we can get our two there. Well, if you look at the Nets' home record, they're the only playoff team that has a losing home record. They are 20-21 and 21 at home. So this... They have a better record on the road than they do at home. Um, KD, as you said, has been in handcuffs. He had 27 tonight. Yeah, he had 27. On tw he went 
he had 18 made free throws. He was 4 of 17 from the field. So 18 of those 27 were from the free throw line because they're making it so tough on him. Um, they're throwing so many bodies at him. Jason Tatum has just been unbelievable defensively and offensively in this series. He looks like this. Yes, I mean, this is a guy, you know, took his team to the conference finals his rookie year when Kyrie Irving was out. But this is like, I feel like if they go on a run this year, this is, you know, like, hey, I, I, I could be the best player in the world. You know, he's not that yet, and we're still, you know, one or two years away from that. But, you know, this is kind of a a statement year for Jason Tatum. He looks like the best player on the floor, um, even with KD and Kyrie on there right now. Uh, yeah. I I don't know, man. I'm leaning towards Boston in five now. I, I originally said Boston in six because I, I knew Boston was a better team. I just... I didn't think they'd handcuff KD like this. You know, if I was going to choose somebody not showing up, maybe Kyrie Irving, but God, KD, KD being the way he is right now, it's not like his fault. It's just, it's more credit to Boston, what they're doing defensively. It, it really yeah, is. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, end this podcast with this. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. And whoop that trick. Go Grizz. Grizz in five, Bro. Grizz in six, Grizz in seven. It don't matter. Grizz is winning this series. Get at me. Wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Grizz in five. Crew, shout out X. X gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. Whoop that trick. Grizz in five. Cooper, I hope you have a fantastic night, my friend. Um, I would bro. say talk to you soon, but I know we're going to be talking to each other tomorrow night quite a bit because we did call each other probably five times during last night's game. But Yeah, I was going eight. I was going eight yes. wild, yes. on, that, on that TV screen last night. Yes. Um, I was I was watching the game last night with somebody from Houston, and I, I started like casually. I was looking down at my phone when we were up by like 20. Whoop, that trick was playing to the TV. And I was just looking at my phone. I heard whoop, that trick. I'm kind of like murmuring along with it. And she kind of leaned up at me. She was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was like, you don't understand. You don't understand. I know. You're not from Memphis. I get it. But that's the anthem. Okay. And we're up by 30 in the playoffs. And by the way, um, final statistic on this podcast today, Grizzlies set a franchise record for margin of victory in a playoff game. I think they can outdo it again in this series, and hopefully it's in Game 3, even though I think it's going to be tight. But, Cooper, have a great night, my friend. I'm sorry. I just just can't get off. No, you're good, bro. I cannot. They're a little the Grizz. I'm so happy that they're in the playoffs again. So, yeah, no, you have a great night, too, bro. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you soon.